0: Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. My name is Todd McLaughlin. My goal is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic to give you some upliftment and inspire you. Visit us at nativeyogacenter.com. Let's get started. I'm really pleased to have Daniela Ricelli here uh, for you guys to meet and to listen to. Daniela is a social worker and she helps people with recovery and mental illness. And she is working toward her, her doctorate surrounding uh, yoga and the effects it has on the healing process And so I'm really excited to have you here, to have her here, and for you to get a chance to get to know her. All right, let's begin. Uh, Daniela, how are you doing?
1: I'm very well. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's great. to. It's really a pleasure. Um, Daniela is a yoga practitioner here at Native Yoga Center. And for quite a few years now, I meant to look Daniela to see how many years it has been. Uh, Where would you guess? I mean, I feel like the years kind of... Go on here. I've been about ten years. I want to yes, say, about <laughs> yeah. 10 years. Um, and I'm really excited to have Daniela here because Daniela, you are studying and learning to get your PhD. Can you tell us what your field of study is currently?
1: Yes, I'm a social worker. Um, I specialize in addiction and um i'm actually getting my uh, doctorate in social work it's a little different of the phd it's uh, clini- it's more clinical um i'm studying at Barry university and my field of study is uh, movement mindful movement interventions to heal trauma and other mental health conditions like anxiety depression addictions and um PTSD, mm. schizophrenia, among others.
0: Wow. Do are you currently using or teaching yoga to the people that you're working with on a daily basis?
1: Not currently. Um, I have done some workshops, um, and I have some done some research study that I'm have to do a little bit more. Uh, profound studies Um, I did an eight-week workshop with some of my uh, residents where we uh, incorporated movement into trauma healing
0: Mm. what are you observing how what for either (coughs) excuse me through your studies and or with the people that you're working with are you seeing that yoga has an effect on people's mental health and/or in addiction recovery? Are you are you finding that that's a, a tool that you do want to implement, moving as you work with people?
1: Absolutely. So there is um, a trend in the psychology field and social work field. There is uh, certain authors like Dr. Bessel van der Kog, Peter Levine, and other other somatic practitioners um, that utilize, they call them bottom-up approaches, where they use the body to heal uh, trauma and uh, other underlying conditions, um, like addictions and mental health. And What happens is that when somebody experiences uh, some kind of or some form of trauma at a very young age, childhood, uh, they call them adverse childhood experiences, there is um, something happens in the brain where the brain um, dissociates. Because when the person is experiencing something that is very scary and traumatic, the experience is coming in through the senses or through the eyes and the and the ears hearing senses and the smell and the sense of taste and the disinformation causes uh, something happens in the brain where there is a a rupture a dissociation Mm. so most of the time the person doesn't even experience what's going on or they cannot make sense however this experience it is stored in the body Mm. in the memories in the cells and uh, it's very difficult to heal the trauma with up up bottom approaches like through talk therapy or making sense of what happened because the person can't make sense of what happened through talk therapy because of what happened in the brain. So there has to be uh, new neuro connections in the brain, and the person needs to feel safe in the body to be able to heal. And yoga is an excellent. Way to get there and these people that work with somatic experiences agree that yoga is one of the best ways to heal Mm. trauma and other forms of mental health because the people who have experienced trauma they are not connected with their body Mm. right they um, they cannot even remember sometimes what happened or they cannot make sense or meaning of what happened but through working through the body using the breath And other um, things that happen when you're working with yoga and other forms of movement will help you connect with your body so that you can uh, make sense. Like the body, you know, they say that the body keeps the score. And it's through the body that you can reach those memories Mm. in a way that you don't have to re-traumatize the individual by talking about it, but just opening up and through movement, you can also express, you know, those moments and, and it really helps with the healing process. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing because the, <coughs> uh, every now and again, people will have some sort of radical emotional experience from yoga practice. Like they might, <coughs> it might not always be that, like uh, sometimes we'll, we'll hear someone, uh, cry either during practice or, even in Shavasana, might have like that type of reaction. Sometimes people will laugh uncontrollably or have like a, a kind of giddy reaction. And sometimes it seems like it's reasoned that the, like the body is storing these emotions and or the, and the yoga postures tend to release something that causes uh, these emotions to come to the surface. But I would imagine that if I do have someone come to practice who has suffered major or trauma in their in their past um, that if they have a a really big emotional uh outburst how would you cope with that or how do you what do you recommend or what do you think is what is the protocol for in social work for working someone from a place of disrupted energy toward calm again?
1: Towards regulation. Toward,
0: is that what, toward regulation? Yes,
1: absolutely. So, you know, they're like releasing, right? They're releasing that energy and it's important that they release because maybe they have not had the chance to release that and they don't even might know what they're releasing. Mm. But that's when it's coming out, right? So there is... um there is a process, it's called, there's two concepts, right? There is um, titration and pendulation. So, pendulation is that ability to go from one very um, heavy emotion to a place of regulation and, you know, you can go through that, um, through that scale you know from let's say 0 to 10 so you you pendulate from one place to another and um just by being present allowing the person to release and also help them ground and yoga is amazing for grounding yourself because you're always like connected to the earth you're connected to your inner self right and um so just being there with a the person and allowing them to release, you know, with no judgment, just, it's very helpful for them. Mm. And then titration, it reminds me of that um, when you share that, okay, we have this big book, right? And then we're not going to, you know, just take the post from here to 500 pages to one page but we're going to tear one page at a time Mm. so it's going to be a very slow process you know and i think one of the beauty of yoga is that the person is going to do the poses where they're at you know and the amazing thing with this is like People that have experienced trauma, they're having a really hard time to move. Like they're very closed. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. you can observe sometimes mm-hmm. when people have a hard time even raising their hands. Like, mm-hmm. I work in the hospital with um, children that have been, you know, uh, have experienced, that are experiencing mental health. Issues, serious mental health issues. And you ask them, okay, let's breathe, you know, raise your hands up. And sometimes they cannot even do that movement. Wow. And, you know, very slowly, okay, so wherever they get to, you know, that's what they can do. And Mm. then if you continue doing the practice and the person is disciplined enough to keep coming, you can see that their body starts moving better. And While the body is moving uh, in different ways and finding new ways of moving, you know, the brain is also healing and the trauma Mm. is healing. It's a Mm. process that doesn't even need words to go there, but the body will heal, you know, by itself. Yeah,
0: That's something that's always intrigued me about the world of yoga and meditation and having um, experienced talk therapy and and then gone to a meditation retreat where there was no talking uh, was such a completely different way of processing um, you know our experiences. So I, I'm, a f- I, I'm a firm believer that, the yoga and meditation can either be a great supplement to talk therapy and or sometimes it seems like might even rise above sometimes and probably other cases talk therapy is absolutely critical. What what are there other what other angles of therapy are there? Like what other tools what other tools do you grab from when you're yeah. at work?
1: Mm-hmm. So There is many forms of healing, right? Um, Some people need medication, you know, pharmacological therapy, um, movement therapy, art therapy, you know, and there's people that do a combination of both because it's really powerful. For example, you know, in art and expressive art therapies, you will, let's say, for example, you put some music and you let the music play some music that you feel good about, right? And you sit for a few moments in quiet uh, in silence and allow that that music to start moving you okay so you start moving to the music it doesn't have to look pretty or anything just you allow your body to move to the music and for a few minutes and then after you're done with the movement you grab some paper and you can color or even pencil or watercolors and you just put on the paper you know what you mm. feel or whatever mm. comes out and right. then you sit and you ask the person you know what does that drawing mean and then something will come mm. through that expression of art yep. and you know it's really uh, powerful at times because things will come up that you know always something will come up because most of these these um
0: that's interesting
1: patterns are in the subconscious mind so you have to allow them to come out with other ways that are not only like talk therapy or medicine um one of the positive things about yoga that's really really interesting is on these studies that they have done that are um random controlled trials, so they have evidence-based that they have worked, and they have research, you know, many studies that have, you know, looked at yoga as a healing for uh, mental health, and one of the things that they point out, these researchers, is that, you know, uh, medication therapy or talk therapy will only have certain amount of time that they will work once you stop medication or you stop the talk therapy the person usually will regress back to where they were mm. however with yoga practice um they have shown the results that even if you stop doing yoga the benefits will continue mm. for like over a year or so when they have done the um the they do the studies again or the research after a year or more they see that Yoga continues to hold the benefits even though you're not practicing.
0: Interesting. That's interesting. I I you know, you earlier had made reference to schizophrenia. What what is that what is that like actually being with someone that, that has schizophrenia? I don't know that I ever have been around someone, or maybe if I have, I don't understand what that what their behavior would be like. Do you ever come across that? Yes,
1: absolutely. I work with people that have, you know, schizophrenia. And um, my experience, well, they have, you know, um, some psychosis, delusional thinking. Their thinking process is not right. They hear things that are not there. They see things that are not there, right? They have hallucinations. They could be auditory hallucinations in the form of voices or visual hallucinations. Usually, these voices are not kind. They tell mm. themselves bad things about themselves or about other people. So, you know, my experience is because usually we treat, um, we have groups, you know, to treat um, uh, this condition. And of course, medication is very helpful. But when you are in a group setting, um, you can see that the people who um, it de- it develops it can start developing like some people have it very young age it, there could be a child right but usually it's in the 18 20 years old 25 years old people mm. start developing the condition and it's very scary to the person because you know they it might be somebody in the university they're going to school and everything is good and suddenly they start having this mental breakdown they're hearing things that are not there it's very scary and their behaviors change. And then they come to, you know, treatment and they're very scared because they don't understand mm, what's sense, going yeah. on. They're in denial. They don't want to accept that this is going on because there is a lot of stigma. Yeah, They feel that there's something wrong with them. and um, And it takes time for it to, you know, for them to accept that they have it acknowledge that they need to take the medication and the medication is difficult because it has side effects so they do not like the side effects of the medication so they stop taking their meds or they feel better with the medication they stop taking it, and then they relapse however people that have been dealing with it for a long time is different because they um They have learned how to cope with it and they know, you know, they already have accepted that this is something they're going to live with for the rest of their life because Mm. it doesn't go away. Mm. And um, they know that they have to take the medication so that they can function and they function really well on their meds. However, the body will create tolerance to the medication and then the medication will stop working and then they have to change medication so you know when you incorporate something like yoga you know to complement you know the medication it really helps them because also they're oxygenating their bodies oxygenating their brains same thing as eating healthy you know would help them yeah and so yeah schizophrenia is really sad for people who do struggle with it for the person and the family members yeah and sometimes the behavior could be aggressive mm. and then, you know, the families get scared and it has to be, you know, different kind of interventions and support systems around wow. the people who struggle with this.
0: <clears throat> That's interesting. I, uh, I We uh, have had people who will come either to yoga class and or... Um, in other ex- situations where i've been at trainings and or at different retreat settings where um people decide to just go off their meds <clears throat> and because there's this idea <coughs> excuse me i got to clear my throat there's this idea that there's this hope that yoga and meditation is going to be the the cure-all situation, that I'm going to all of a sudden find all the healing that I need from this yoga path. I think sometimes too, even looking at India, we'll hear these really grand stories of um, people being able to do things that are beyond the normal. So we have this impression that Yoga is just gonna fix all of my problems right away and then start going into either yoga practice or classes and just kick the the meds cold turkey and um, and then have a very challenging time uh, because obviously like you said things are maybe a little bit more stable if the medication is continued. Um have you seen anyone have you observed anybody who has gotten off of the medication after prolonged meditation and or yoga practice or is that something that's almost incurable is it ha- has anyone been i mean i, I say cured with ast- you know with uh quote marks has anyone been cured from some of these more challenging mental illnesses or is it more like what you said—you just learn to live with it and cope with it for the rest of your life.
1: Yes, with certain—it depends. With certain conditions like um, depression and anxiety that are not so serious, even some bipolar disorders, you know, you can learn how to cope with it and use alternative techniques to also help you in the healing process. And maybe medication is not so, you know, crucial. But when you have something like schizophrenia or Schizoaffective, you know, um, where you have some delusional processes and psychotic processes, definitely, you know, these people will need medications um, for the rest of their lives. And they can function pretty well when they are medicated. Mm -hmm. But then when they stop, you know, they regress and then they have, you know, crises and have to go get help.
0: Yeah. Are there, are there... People, are there people? Does anybody out there have programs that are s- super specific for um, people or patients or clients or um, that that are in these programs for these disorders? Like, are there? Is there yoga for schizophrenia? I haven't actually googled. <laughs> I mean, I would just think yoga. Because, you know, we see this like yoga for athletes, yoga for surfers, yoga for dancers, yoga. And I mean, in some respects, like yoga is good for everybody. So to come up with this like yoga for this. But has there anyone that's gone down that specialty route of offering, I guess, uh, maybe if we were to turn the corner a little bit into uh, addiction and recovery, I think there there definitely is yoga for recovery. And those sort of programs. Have you researched that or, or come across any information around that?
1: Yeah, there's actually a program that is called Trauma Sensitive Yoga. And I looked into it. It's mm-hmm. like kind of what you know you do here, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's a very gentle yoga. And they um, focus in something that is called interoception. Interoception is. Um, your how your body perceives what's going on inside of your body like what is your awareness of what's going inside of your body of your heart rate of your anxiety of your belly some of them are automatic uh things and other things are also the emotions so how connected are you to your body and it's a very gentle approach um to Mm. yoga so they would you know tell you for example we're going to get ready to um, change to a different pose and it's very like it focuses more on how the sensation is inside of your body. So now feel what's happening when you're breathing, what's happening with mm. your lungs, yep. inhaling yep. and exhaling, yep. you know. So it's a very gentle uh, form of yoga, and it's focused more of what's happening inside of your body. Like, you know, you also, like today's class with the gentle yoga, mm. you really, like, when you're talking about the muscles and what's happening inside of your body, that's kind of what gotcha. interoception is. So yep. that is targeted for any mental health you know including schizophrenia and including substance abuse which is another form of mental health Mm -hmm. problem
0: gotcha is addiction and addiction recovery often i hear that it's considered a disease is that the common way of thinking about it is that is that you know like if someone comes in and says they come in for treatment is it is it that they have a disease or something that they can't control or is it something that is a learned behavior what are your thoughts there in terms of addiction
1: (laughs) well that's my specialty (laughs) (laughs) because I was born an addict so there is different ways that you know, people can become addicted. um, And it's definitely a disease. It's a disease that it's um, labeled by the American Medical Association, which is chronic, means it doesn't go away. It is progressive, which means that it gets worse over time. It is fatal, kills more people in the United States every year than car accidents do. And it is also a treatable disease. But because it's a disease that is in your brain, you know, it's very difficult to treat because there is two parts to the the disease. It's a mental obsession. It's that thought that someday you can do it and control it, and this time it's going to be different. And then relapse is part of the disease, so people relapse, you know. And the danger is when somebody relapses, they can go out and they can die because they overdose. Um, then there is the physical component, which is um, is this craving, the craving for the substance. It doesn't matter the consequences. Once you cross that line into addiction, it's very difficult to stop on your own despite negative consequences. That's why people need to go to treatment sometimes or, you know, do the 12-step program of recovery Um one of the um, interesting things about this disease, I've been working in addiction for about 20 years now. And, um, you know, 99.9% of people who come into recovery have a history of dysfunction in the family's trauma as a child. And uh, Dr. Mate talks about this. He says that, you know, the pain of the trauma is so strong that when somebody takes alcohol or drugs it it's a very effective coping skill so you don't have to feel that pain you feel like wow now I can fit in or now I feel different you know I feel better and I can cope and I don't have the pain so people start using as a coping skill to deal with the pain of the trauma or the abuse and then you know on time they use more and more and more and more until they cross that invisible line into chemical dependency. And, you know, it doesn't matter how you get there, because some people is genetic, you know, you can have a great grandparent that had an addiction. And it's, you know, it goes down to generations. And you have it the first time you take a drink, boom, you know, there, you are. when
0: you say you were born an act, is that what you're referring to?
1: Yes, I remember I was six years old. When my, we were having dinner at my grandma's table, and she had this beautiful Italian, you know, table for Christmas, and she put three little cups for my sisters and I, and she served a little bit of wine to each one of us. And I remember my sisters, they tried it, and they spit it back into the cup. They didn't like it. When I took that sip, I remember like if it was yesterday, I felt the taste of it and the warmth and then I felt what it did to me to my uh, brain and I couldn't wait after that dinner I went back into the refrigerator mm, I got wow. that bottle and I went like look look look
0: at six years old yes wow and
1: I was an alcoholic child I yeah. drank every single day well going to my grandma's refrigerator and steal that alcohol wow and uh, you know and my sisters didn't they didn't and
0: no one no one knew. No, no one observed it? No, your parents and your grandparents?
1: For years. Wow. Yes. And yeah. so I, you know, I dealt with it. And when I, um, because of the progression of the disease, you know, at the end, I was like, I always was able to function. Like I dance and I think that helped me so much, the dancing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, um, you know, at age 32 years old is when I, you know, asked for help. But, you know, I also had a lot of trauma when I was a child. There is this um, adverse childhood experience study that Feliri, Anda and Felidi did, where they um, looked to thousands of people, right? And they did this study, and they uh, numbered 10 situations in your childhood that were traumatic, right? Like, for example, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, um, abandonment, or a parent in jail, or divorce, uh, among others, you know, that build that 10. And they show that people who have four or more in these adverse childhood experiences um, answers yes. Uh, you have about 80% more chances to have not only a mental health condition, addiction, also um, physical illness like diabetes, heart problems, mm. and early death.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's all linked together, isn't it?
1: Yes, it it's is. all
0: tied together. Sometimes you want to compartmentalize it and just say trauma or or maybe we don't even acknowledge that there was any trauma and then we just look at the, the outcome of all of this at the point where someone goes, okay, now I'm coming for help. But then, like you said, you start to unravel all of the different aspects that go into who we are today mm-hmm. what is the percentage of people that do get help like if is there is there a statistic on the amount of people that say are addicts that that do recover or get help in relation to those that don't is there is there some like ballpark you might know it <laughs> you probably yeah. well you yes. probably, yeah. <laughs> There is um
1: <laughs> So 80% of the people who go into recovery to a treatment center and receive treatment for their addiction, um, 80% of them will relapse within that first year.
0: In the first year.
1: Yes, that doesn't mean (coughs) that that person is not gonna be able to make it in the long run, but because the disease is relapsive, it's gonna take you some time. You know, you didn't become addicted in a week or a year. You know, it took you maybe 30 years to get to where you were. Well, it's going to take you a little time to figure out how you're going to recover. And that's why, you know, the 12-step program is so powerful for the recovery process because people get connected. They listen to each other. There's people that have been there before them that can share their experience, uh, strength, and hope. And it's like, you know, they help each other. And that's how the program works. Is one person helping another
0: mm. with
1: their experience. Yeah. That's why I, you know, work in the field. First, I had to get learning about what it, what addiction was. So I got a master's in addiction, and then I, um, you know, started working opening transitional living houses for women who were experiencing addiction. And I've been doing this since two
0: thousand and three. Wow. You said that you 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 opened some yourself. You mm-hmm. kind of spearheaded the opening of those.
1: Yes. Yeah. I opened my first house in 2003. It was called Language of the Heart in Lake Worth. And then, um, you know, while I went to school to get my LCSW, then I changed it to start living. It's called now. And mm-hmm. we have 40 beds. And my husband is also, you know, in recovery and he runs the men's house with me, I run the women, we have 40 beds for people in recovery and they do very well. Nice. You know?
0: Yep. Interesting. Are you, how, I know these are like, some of the, to ask this question, everybody's so different. Mm -hmm. So I know there's not going to be a one, one case scenario, but uh, when someone is just going into recovery is that a good time to start getting them to do yoga and meditation? Or is it something that you find that a certain amount of time needs to go by of being sober before you implement that strategy or would think about encouraging someone to go that route? Do Because I would just imagine that if someone's in a really rough shape and going through detox and feeling really sick, that that would be... I don't know if that'd be the best time to say like, all right, let's do some sun salutations (laughs) (laughs) or is it, you know, is there like a process that you see that people need to get to a certain point in understanding of where they are with their addiction that then they're more open to yoga and practicing? Have you, have you observed any of that or or seen that, that progress?
1: Yes. Well, definitely. Um, you know, they should be detoxed before they start, but Um, You know, even some, you could do yoga as breathing techniques, and that could help them, you know, even when they are in Mm. the detox process, help them, you know, calm down because their nervous system is going to be all over the place with anxiety and depression. So even some breathing techniques could help them, Mm. you know, grounding techniques, um, very gentle yoga, and then the the discipline of yoga is amazing for them. They, it could continue helping. The t- detoxification is a very long process. They have found even um, five years later, five years later, in people that have been heavy cocaine users, they still find cocaine in the spinal cord. Mm. You know, so it is a long process, but mm. definitely before you start doing the, you know. Maybe a Ashtanga class, you know. They should start with very gentle yoga and wait. It, it detox. It doesn't take that long, you yeah. know. It depends on what substance, but it, yeah. it can take like a week or, yeah. you know, something like that. So definitely, you know, get the the substances out before they start. But you know, the breathing, the meditation, the grounding techniques. that can start when they come in.
0: That's cool. That's that's interesting. I I remember at one point I Tamara and I had uh, when we were teaching in San Diego I had um situation where people would show up to class intoxicated and um <clears throat> and in one situation the the smell uh, and this was uh this was a hot yoga class so I can't imagine a more challenging situation than to be intoxicated and then walk into a really hot room and try to balance on one leg. Like it just doesn't (laughs) like, no, part of me would think that that would be a good idea. (laughs) And, um, and so one person had such a strong scent from, from drinking that, you know, afterward I, I, I did confront him and say, um, you know, I, I, I guess at the, at the time I took the approach of like, look, Whatever you want to do on on your time and on your clock is totally fine. But if you're coming in and, and you're and I can smell the alcohol and you're kind of falling all over, it's really it just doesn't it's distractive to the group. It's distracting to the group. And also I just I didn't feel comfortable. Like I just felt a little like it just wasn't an appropriate thing and and the comment replied was that I um, you know, I just had a couple drinks with my friends beforehand. Like, what's the problem? So, you know, I I just said, well, I mean, I I totally understand whatever you want to do, but just in future, please don't. You know, I, I I request that you come sober. And um, I didn't see him again, but it it was something that I it was the first time I I felt like I had to address it, like it was an issue. Um, another time we were. Hosting a free class and people were um, uh, a lot of people came to it because it was free and one guy would smoke before he'd come in and just this the aroma was so intense and I had you know f- kids in the room or there was younger there's families and I, I also I, I felt like I had to say something because it's just so obvious like all of us were like turning our heads like whoa that smell is so intense you know and um, I took a similar approach of you know like I totally understand whatever you want to do in your own time but when you come to class I just request that you don't do that beforehand um just to kind of build the the strength of the group you know and I I I, I didn't see them either so I'm curious <laughs> they didn't come back <laughs> um what do you think is a good i mean i guess i'm asking this question from my own i feel comfortable now having enough a couple years under my belt of teaching and holding down groups to feel confident to go up to people and let them know but if there's other yoga teachers that are listening that have students that do come to class intoxicated what is your thoughts on that in terms of like i guess i'll just stop the question there and just see what what are your thoughts on on that
1: Well, I think it's really mindful that you're thinking about the group. Because if I was in that room, and I'm smelling, you know, alcohol or marijuana, that could be a trigger for somebody that is in recovery. You know, like, for example, in the houses, immediately, if somebody is intoxicated, they have to leave, they cannot be there, because it exposes everybody else, you know, um, to the trigger, maybe they're not thinking straight or they're not being mindful of other people, you know, um, because they're not thinking right. They're under the influence, right? But I think it's very um, important that, you know, other uh, yoga instructors also think about the whole group and how something like that could affect other people in the room. I'm very hypersensitive to smells. You know, I wouldn't want to Somebody smelling yeah. like cigarettes or yeah. marijuana or alcohol yeah. Yeah. in the room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to, that's a, that's a good point. I've always, there's, I, I feel like part of the yoga practice is about developing concentration. And so that's where I've always held that when coming into the room, I just think it's really important that, that, that's not, that's not a part of it. That you like leave that for some other time <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> some other place. But not in the yoga room. That's just always been my thing. When I see people doing yoga and wine class or come come and let's eat chocolate and drink wine and do yoga. I've always that's always been a turnoff for me. Mm. I've always just thought like, if you want to have a wine class, go have a wine class. <laughs> if you want to have a yoga class, have a yoga class. But to mix those two together just seems like if you want to do that do that at home by yourself like not that that's what I'm recommending you to do but I don't know I've just always been a little bit turned off by the mixing of intoxication into the yoga room
1: yes you mentioned something really interesting the the concentration and the focus that's one of the things that is really helpful also in the healing process is that part of yoga where you are creating focus and concentration um, in the posture and um, you know that that focus concentration and discipline with the yoga helps your brain produce this um, BDNF that is brain, brain derived neurotropic factor which helps the development of new neural pathways in the brain so just by coming to the to the yoga class and being able to concentrate and focus on this moment and on the posture is one of the points that they talk about that is uh, very healing. Um, Another thing that I wanted to mention also is, you know, the fact that you hold that pose for a few moments, right? So if I can hold this pose, even if it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's painful, right? to hold the pulse you think you can't make it but then you know you know that it's going to pass and then you're going to move to another pose and you're going to you know mm-hmm. have some time to mm-hmm. breathe that is very helpful because just like people sometimes get stuck in that emotional state where they think that oh my god i'm having a panic attack or this emotion is going to last forever you know and know that it's like you know like a wave like it's going to come and it's going to go so when you're practicing yoga that You know not only the focus but knowing that i can hold this for a minute you know i can hold anything for a minute and then with the breathing is going to go by Mm. you know yeah so the focus the the holding of the poses and also the breath like the breath is one of the most amazing components of yoga that helps also you know in the in the healing of the mental health and other conditions that's Um, interesting the oxygenating of the of the brain and i mean the the emotions and the breath are intimately related you know the body and the brain are right here we're connected it's all one sometimes we don't even realize how connected we are and how important the breathing is to change the way that we feel so if you see somebody you know in your office that it's all tight and is sharing about some situation that is bringing all this anxiety or depression you look at their breath they're not breathing Mm. and you tell okay let's take a deep breath together Mm. you know just that breathing it is so connected to the emotions and learning how to breathe fluently It's something that we don't even think about. Mm. And it's so powerful in the healing process. And when you come to the yoga class, there's no other resource than to breathe because you start the movement with the breath. You exhale the movement with you, you know, finish the movement with the breath and you are guided with your breath through the whole class. Like, where do you get that? Yeah. You know, so that's that's part of that healing. That is just remarkable.
0: It is. Something that um, I'm always really impressed and blown away with is the element of as we keep practicing yoga, if you get really into it and you stick with it for years and you start you know, maybe you start getting good at the poses and and uh, developing a certain ability to regulate your breathing and really start to affect your heart rate and be aware of your heart rate. And then you start getting into yoga philosophy and starting studying all the very deep and like there's so much history in the yoga philosophy world. And almost what can happen sometimes in, in the advanced yogi world is... Losing the the appreciation of how the simple act of saying let's try to take your left hand down to your right foot, like that gets so easy for us after we've been doing it for a long time. We just take it for granted. Like we think like this is no big deal. But uh, I guess what what I've been enjoyed reading the research paper that you wrote and what you were mentioning earlier about working with people in. A mental health disorder place or maybe an addiction um, a challenge is that sometimes just asking someone to like you said like lift your arms up and they can't do it like that's where I think the power of the yoga is uh, the, the simplicity of just breathe in breathe out mm-hmm. touch your left hand on your right foot like that's so powerful But it just seems so simple when you get into your, you know, you keep doing, you keep doing you're like, oh, you know, maybe even get a little bit jaded. Like we start thinking like this is getting too easy or why am I doing this yoga? Maybe I should go take pottery class or (laughs) learn how to do something else. But that's what just keeps me really fascinated is, is, is when, and also when you encourage someone as teachers, if you. Take your left hand to your right foot and you can just see that that's actually quite challenging. I don't know. There's something about that. I really do see how this has to be such a a great tool for the world that you're working in.
1: Absolutely. And also for like people older adults you know in an assisted living facility to get them moving Mm -hmm. or even with the children you know Mm -hmm. like everybody could do yoga i propose i'm going to write my research paper (laughs) right but i'm going to propose that this is something that they have to start teaching the children in school Mm -hmm. because it helps the children self-regulate you know it's incredible the amount of children that they diagnose with, like ADHD, and then they put him, they put them on this ritalin medication which is an amphetamine. And then these children don't have a chance because when they grow up, they're already, you know, dependent on, a, on an amphetamine. Mm-hmm. So there is other ways that you can teach the children to regulate and you don't have to, you know, a hundred percent of the time give them med- medication. You yep. could have a yoga yep. class and have yep. them moving yep. and breathing and learning how to calm their system down with the breath. And that's just like incredible, you know, um, there is this um, this nerve that gets um, stimulated when we do yoga. It's called the vagus nerve. Mm. Do you Have you heard about yeah. the vagus nerve and polyvagal theory? Mm. Yes. You know, so this nerve goes all the way from the back of our brain through the side of our neck, and it's into our heart, and then here in our belly. And when we do yoga, we're constantly, you know, um, stimulating that nerve and regulating ourselves and with the breath. So... When, we, when you learn how to connect and see where you are in that vagus nerve, you can come to a place of regulation, mm. you know, instead of being dysregulated. And you can teach this to the children just with yoga or breathing.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I hear you, Daniela. Um, this last year has been challenging for a lot of people. You know, it's been a really interesting... I feel like we've ha- now we have, like, a, a, we can look back at a year... Right Today is March 28th, so I actually started this podcast uh, one year ago yesterday on the 27th, and um, I remember when I went back and listened to the first episode, I was in my garage and I was like, I was just wigging out. I was like, is the world ending? Like, what is going on? I have to shut my yoga studio down kids are out of school everything was you know what I mean it was like such a as I'm going back and kind of reviewing like my emotions and what I was thinking and observing everything that happened in the past year um I'm finding like it's it's good to have a year later to look back and kind of go okay this we're gonna be all right like but that was kind of heavy or still is a little heavy too but I feel like we're turning a corner how How have you coped and dealt, and what are some of your thoughts on this last year what what's What's it been like for you?
1: Well, um I was blessed to have to be able to uh, continue doing my yoga practice through Zoom because you offered that, and that was really incredible because it gave me an outlet, you know, despite of all the craziness that was going on around me. Um, I was able to stay with my practice and my practice for me is my self care, you know, so that was really helpful and I thank you for holding that space for us yes throughout that time um but i have noticed you know how it has affected mostly the children because the children weren't able to go to school and not only because of that but it took away their connection to their peers you know now they had to do school online so they're behind in their Mm. homework and they are stressed out and it's it's amazing you know how much it has affected especially the children i see it you know in the hospital a lot of children um the the rate of anxiety depression and even suicidal thoughts have increased for for children which wow. is really like incredible
0: yeah man i hear you are are you f- seeing any sort of turnaround are you seeing any sort of shift or what what are you observing do you
1: definitely shift yeah a shift to the po- mm, mm, more positive shift because Most children are going back to school now or they have hybrid, you know, half in school, half in uh, online. But they're able to get back into their structure, connect with their peers. I think that's so important, that connection with their peers, you Mm. know, was, Mm. you know, crucial to, especially the children. Yeah, definitely. That felt isolated in the home and um, having that structure again with the classes and, um, you know, the COVID going down now with the vaccines, yep, you know, yep. it's all, you know, like turning a corner, Yeah. but yeah, talk about a year of you <laughs> know, crisis and despair and hopelessness and people being anxious about what was going on and not knowing what was going to happen. What, did, kind of
0: what What did you observe in the addiction recovery side of things? Did you find that? people were relapsing more? Did you find that it caused people to get more focused? And cause Sometimes we hear this too where it's like we go through crisis and that's the wake-up call to say, all right, I'm going to take care of myself. Did you observe both of those or was it tilted more toward one side or the other?
1: Um, I think I saw um, both, but one of the issues that I saw was that a lot of people started getting the unemployment check Mm. and they didn't have jobs. So they were bored and boredom is a big trigger for relapse. So, you know I don't have a job and I have 600 dollars every week coming in the yeah. door yeah. you know yes people were relapsing and overdosing and a lot of death by overdose
0: yeah which yeah. is
1: really sad
0: that's
1: it other people instead you know went to treatment and took this time to get their life back in track and started an exercise routine and getting healthy so i saw both you know sides but that unemployment check, that was dangerous. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sit at
0: home, here's some money. <laughs> you have nothing to do.
1: Yeah.
0: The other day you had a t-shirt on that said SUBEY. And I was like, what does that mean? And then you kind of explained to me that there was a movement in Puerto Rico where a woman got a bus and got people on the bus and they'd sing songs and just kind of create this sort of community, community development experience. And therefore, then they'd also go and do um, social wor- or social activist activism work. And, um, and I thought that was really cool. I think, what, what was the name of the person that, that was in charge of that?
1: I am I don't remember the oh, name. Okay. She was a an a singer actually uh in Puerto Rico and and she had this performance and it was called Sube and they've done it in different countries. It's actually they use it as a theater performance. Somebody some people use music, but it's really interesting because um, like you said, they use it as um social work and doing activism in the streets. What happens is um there is In Latin countries, there is a lot of, you know, issues around machismo, you know, the women uh, don't have the same rights as men, I guess, here also sometimes, but not as um, marked as in those Latin countries. So they had the bus and people, you know, the the person performing or the singer or the artist, mm-hmm. they would have their little, you know, sketch on the bus. So people were getting on the bus. They don't know that this is a performance, right? So they become part of this uh-huh. play, gotcha. and then they keep going and doing the performance in different parts. And then they use this uh, moment to, you know, talk about some social issues that are happening, and and you know, do some brainstorming about solutions, offer some resources to the women, especially, you mm, know. Nice. So, yeah,
0: that's cool. I was I, I appreciate you turning me or tuning me into the fact that that's. I'd just never heard of that or or seen that, so that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Um. You know. How? How are? How would you say that yoga has helped you in your life? Well, uh, you you gave some great examples already, even like within this last year, and you said that yoga is like your self care. Yes. And um, you know how would you how how do you describe how yoga has had an impact in your life
1: Mm -hmm. well yoga is like um extremely important in my life um i i always did since i was a kid you know i started doing gymnastics when i was very young and then i became ballerina did dance professionally for many many years and i was trained to you know move and my body was always you know in some kind of training of movement um i had a ski accident at the age of 32 and i blew my knee and then after that i wasn't able to dance anymore i started teaching you know some ballet classes but that's when i shift to yoga Mm. because yoga was something that it was um it was I was able to do it without hurting my knee right and um, in addition I um, it was really um, a shift change for me because at that time it was the same time I think I was starting to get clean and sober so it helped me mm. learn about how to calm myself down. I always was very hyper and yoga calms me down to today still I'm very hyper and I'm always like thinking or moving or doing right. Instead of yoga, show me, taught me how to be a human being instead mm. of a human doing. Mm. So I can come to my class and I can calm myself down, you know, and do the movements. But what it does for me is, in, is incredible. It, um, it, shifts, it shifts my, my whole mindset uh, to a place of peace. So And in addition to that, I can connect with something bigger. It's like a moving meditation.
0: Nice.
1: Um, yeah, it's incredible what yoga does for me. Not only physical, but emotionally yes. and spiritually. And then the learning about the philosophy is... I love the philosophy when you teach that.
0: It's amazing, know. isn't it?
1: And it correlates, if you look at it, all those principles that... Though that um, philosophy talks about the yamas, niyamas, asanas, pranayamas, and uh, the principles of, you know, no stealing or do no harm, mm, and all mm. those principles correlate with other philosophies. Like mm. that even the 12-step program has some spiritual principles behind each step, mm. uh, you know, and other religions, I guess, but... You know, everything put together, like it talks about union, right? So it's not only the asanas, that's just one part of it, but the breathing with the asanas, with the philosophy, and everything else, it like completes, it makes it whole.
0: Nice, Daniela. Well said. (laughs) 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 I'd like to remind us where if someone would like to find you and what is the website again of the of your program
1: the website is called startlivinglife.org cool and you know anybody that is struggling and I also do like individual therapies. I help people who are struggling with addictions nice. or with Great. recovery.
0: I hear ya very good so uh, start say, say it again for me please
1: startlivinglife
0: startlivinglife.org Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, well, I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to come in and to speak with me. And I'm really excited for the listeners to have a chance to get to know you and, and hear your thoughts. And you had sent me some papers that you wrote regarding, uh, mental health and using yoga as a form of therapy and also addiction recovery and using yoga as a form of therapy. And they were really well written. And so I'm going to go ahead and put those on our website and then I'll link in the show notes for people want to read that and check out some of the research that you've done. So i will try to, I'll make that available and also put your website in the notes as well. Um, Is there anything that you'd like to offer as we close here, maybe any words of encouragement and or thoughts to close to kind of leave the listener with a little bit of hope? (laughs) Yes. Well, uh, first of all, I want to
1: thank you so much for inviting me to, to this podcast and, What I would say is that you have to experience the yoga. No matter what your limitations are, you can come and you can try a class and you can experience what it does for you. And, you know, I guess um, when you do that, then you will make your decision if you want to, you know, continue or not. But I definitely encourage everybody to give it a try.
0: That's cool, Daniela. Well, thank you. I'm really appreciative and we will... Uh, Catch up soon.
1: Thank you so much, Doug. Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye. Thank you so much for joining our discussion today. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to give credit to the music, Bryce Allen Band. Thank you so much for making us some fresh sounds for us. Check them out, BryceAllenBand.com. Remember, you can visit us at nativeyogacenter.com. I have a special for live stream. If you, no matter where you live, you can join with us some yoga classes and you can try us out two weeks free. Go on our website, nativeyogacenter.com. On the homepage, there's a link. Try live stream two weeks free. Click it and off. You're off and running. (laughs) All right. Thanks everybody. Until next time, be well.